Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Unfortunate Sandwich Podcast. I am your host, Isami Dane, and if you're loving these podcasts, I would love to hear from you. I have an email address dedicated specifically to this podcast. That's theunfortunatesandwich at gmail.com. The trigger warnings are definitely on for this episode. We are going to be talking about abuse in several different facets. As I always say to you guys, I am not a licensed mental health professional in any way. Today's topic specifically is about sex. I know, kind of weird coming from a Christian podcast, right? Or is it? You may have grown up in a family where you felt like you were safe enough to talk to your parents about stuff like this, or you had mentors in your life, or whoever who was like talking to you about your health and education and all that stuff. Or you may have grown up like me where it was a completely taboo subject and you just felt so guilty for even asking questions and you were shamed into believing that it was just some horrible act and magically would become a good thing once you were married. I don't know if you can relate to that or not. So hopefully this episode is helpful or you just might find it (laughs) comical um, listening to my uh, really cringy upbringing. But either way, thanks for hanging out with me. So growing up, I did not have very good examples of what healthy intimacy looked like. So my parents were always fighting as long as I could remember. (laughs) It just was not healthy at all. So in my mind, I just assumed that all relationships were like that and that all marriages were toxic and that anybody who was married and said they were happy was actually lying. And of course, if you've listened to any of my previous episodes, you'll know that I experienced sexual abuse at a very young age. So I was not off to a good start learning about what healthy intimacy or sex look like. I remember watching this movie when I was like five or six maybe and there was a scene where a woman was just straight up raped and I just thought that that was normal. I know that's like a horrifying thing for me to even recall, but I genuinely thought at that age that that's what sex was. I'd seen like animals mating and stuff before too, so I just assumed that that's what people did. And then when I was probably about 11, I had a conversation with my sister and she just basically explained to me the anatomy of what sex looked like. And I was like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. Probably a few weeks after me and my sister had that conversation, I got my first period and I just, oh gosh, it was just so awkward. I told my mom that I was bleeding and I already knew that this was going to happen because my sister had already had her period. She's a few years older than me. So I knew it was going to be happening to me at some point. So it wasn't like I've heard stories where kids are like, I'm dying. Like it wasn't like that. I already knew what was happening to my body. But when I told my mom, she just assumed I didn't know what was going on. So she was like, honey, I'm so sorry. And she like started crying and it was just so uncomfortably awkward. And then she decided to take me out for breakfast or lunch, I can't remember, and decided to have the talk with me. So we sit down and I'm eating and um, she sits down and she's like, honey, your body is changing and I just need to tell you that. And I just interrupted her. I was like, mom, I already know how babies are made and sex and stuff. And she started crying. She's like, how do you know? And I just told her that someone told me. (laughs) But she was like, oh, well okay. And that was the end of that conversation. Like, (laughs) We didn't talk about sex after that. So that was my sex education. I was homeschooled from the time I was in 
pre-K all the way until I was in 12th grade, which technically is illegal in Japan. But because I had dual citizenship, they would get permission from the Japanese government to homeschool us. So it was just me and my two siblings growing up being homeschooled. Yeah, I didn't really have any experiences where I could talk to other kids or other teenagers really. By the time I was 15, we were pretty much isolated from everyone. So I didn't really have anybody else to talk to. My sexual abuser had left the church by the time I was almost 14. At that point in my life, the only sex education I had was what my sister told me and my own abuse and the movies that I saw as a little kid, that was my sex education. And then I discovered pornography and most pornography out there that's free is going to be the violent kind. That's what's heavily accessible. And then growing up in Japan, it was there's normally not a lot of filters out there. Even though it's a really conservative country, it's always been a, like a contradiction. Japan is just like a cons- very conservative country, but at the same time, pornography is accessibly available. So I just assumed that that's what sex looked like. So I started dating when I was in college. The college that I attended, you were not allowed to have any physical contact with the opposite sex. Like none. You couldn't even shake hands. You couldn't even high five. You couldn't hug each other unless in the very rare awkward occasion that somebody in chapel was like, I know you're dying too. You can shake the cute guy's hand next to you in chapel. So awkward. But that was the only time we were allowed to have any physical contact with the opposite sex, which was like once every two years. I didn't have any sexual relationship ever at that point. It was a college in Florida that I attended. I ended up leaving three classes short of graduation and not being able to afford to come back. I did end up living in town though, and my husband, boyfriend at the time, so he came back to finish his senior year and we definitely went off campus many, many times. And let's just say we did everything but actually have sex. (laughs) Um, We were both very religious. So I don't know, I guess we thought it was the unpardonable sin if we had sex, but it was okay if we did everything except for have sex. We ended up deciding to wait until we got married. The definition of virginity is quite relative (laughs) to whatever your definition is. To some people, we were not virgins when we were married. To some people, I guess we would be. I don't know. I had absolutely no, like, basic knowledge of what to do. Things like common sense, right? So things like you have to pee after sex. You don't get a UTI. Things like that were not taught to me. So I remember actually getting UTIs after we got married because I did not know this. Looking back, I'm like, man, I wish little 23-year-old me would have known. I would have saved myself so much pain. And you might be listening to this episode thinking like, Wow, you were like real sheltered, like really sheltered. Yeah, I I was. (laughs) Or you might be listening to this thinking, wow, I'm not alone in this world. (laughs) If you were raised like I was, yes, you're definitely not alone. And I used to be so ashamed to talk about this and was just like so scared that people were going to judge me. I'm like, you didn't have sex till you were 23 and you didn't know you were supposed to pee after sex. No, I didn't know that. Okay. No one taught me this stuff. No one told me what healthy sex looked like. And here's the sad part, guys. No one told me that sex wasn't rape. Yeah, that got dark real quick. No one ever told me the things that I saw in porn, the things that I saw on TV, 
and the things that were done to me are not healthy. No one ever taught me that. No one ever taught me the things that I saw in my own home, the way my dad treated my mom, the way my mom treated my dad, was an unhealthy relationship. So I get into this marriage, 23 years old, literally not having a clue of what a healthy, intimate relationship looked like. I had grown up my whole life being taught it was going to be my job, literally my job to make sure my husband didn't cheat on me. I grew up being taught if the husband wasn't happy, it was the wife's fault. I grew up being taught that you could never say no. This is what I went into my marriage actually believing. Thankfully, I married someone who respected my body. And if you listen to my previous episode, you'll know that our pastor in marriage counseling was actually the first one who ever taught me that a husband was supposed to respect his wife's body even if they were married. I'd never heard that before. I actually thought he was kind of crazy when he said that. I'm like, what? But this was stuff that I didn't know. So in several ways, like obviously I was excited to have sex. I mean, I know some people don't have any desire to have sex at all. And that's totally fine too. Like there's nothing wrong with you for not wanting to have sex. But there's also not anything wrong with you for wanting to have sex. That's your choice on what you want to do with your body. I would say I was in the department that my body naturally wanted to have sex. So in getting married, I was like, I get to have sex with someone I love. I'm like really excited. But I was also deathly terrified because I had been taught my whole life that if I didn't make my husband happy, then he would leave me for another person. So it was up to me to make sure my husband didn't cheat. This was all on my shoulders. So I was excited, but also deathly terrified at the same time. And here's the really sad part. My husband was the one who had to have a conversation with me and tell me that sex was not a reenactment of rape. Yeah. I didn't know that till after I got married. Again, thankfully I married someone that did respect my body, but I grew up my whole life believing that I was an object. What I think is really sad too is there are so many people that grew up in similar situations if I did. They get married and they end up with someone that they're not really in love with. They're just told that you can't have sex until you're married. So the first person they meet, their hormones are raging. They don't really know what love is. And they're like, oh, I need to marry this person. Can't wait to have sex. Well, good for you. But at the same time, like they're not taught that another human being is not for you to use as an object. And I heard this quote from someone, I can't remember who said this, but I do remember seeing this quote and I was just like, wow, that is very profound. I wish someone would have told me this a long time ago. But the quote just said that sex in an unloving relationship, so sex without love, is just masturbating with someone else's body. There are some really sheltered kids like me that really needed to hear that growing up. I wish someone would have told me that the rape scene that I saw when I was five or six years old was not a couple in love having sex. 
I wish someone would have told me that all the times that my mom came to me to complain about my dad was not normal. I wish someone would have told me that these pastor's wives that told me that if I didn't have enough sex with my husband that he would leave me was not healthy. Now granted, they were probably taught the same thing, which is devastates me, honestly. I feel like there's so many people that never left this type of mindset and they genuinely believe that their value and their worth is what they can do physically. Their level of respect and love all determines on what they can provide. And if they aren't good enough, then it's their fault if their husband is to leave or cheat. And it it just breaks my heart because I know that there are so many people in relationships that still think like this. And I so wish that someone would have come alongside of me and told me that much earlier in life. It probably would have saved me the embarrassment of having my husband having that conversation with me. I'm not of the male gender, but from what I've been told, there are men that grew up in situations that I grew up in very similar and their first experience with sex education was pornography and that breaks my heart too as well because that's not that wasn't fair to you either you know that shouldn't have been your first introduction to what a loving sexual relationship looked like so devastating to me because I know there are so many Christian men who struggle with this and they're like, I don't know what to do. I've had this addiction since I was eight years old, 10 years old, which as far as I'm aware, the average age that a child sees pornography for the first time is like nine, which is absolutely terrifying to me. My nephew is like 10 now. You know, he would probably get married and you're like, why didn't my addiction go away? You might have been taught that it would. And I've, I've heard that from pastors before where they're like, oh, if you have a sex addiction, just get married and it'll go away. And that's really not true. It's really not. I just feel like no matter what gender you are, if you grew up in similar situations like I did, I don't see how that is healthy or helpful to you to be taught that sex is this taboo subject yet only be shown what violent sex or honestly just straight up inhumane acts towards someone looks like. You're expected to somehow have a normal loving relationship once you get married. And for anyone listening to this who can be like, I so relate to this so much, I definitely want to let you know that you're not alone. There's absolutely no shame in any of that. Seriously, it's not your fault that you weren't given the resources that you needed to adapt into becoming a normal, grown human being. And the cool thing is, my therapist actually told me this, she said, if unhealthy habits can be learned, they can also be unlearned. And I'm saying that to say this, I know for a fact growing up in situations like that can make you have a really poor image of yourself. It can make you feel like you aren't worth anything. Your worth may be determined by what you can physically do or what you physically look like. Maybe the examples you were given, like me, unrealistic views of sex and intimacy. And you just feel like you're trapped and there's no way out. And every day you wake up and you're just like, I just hate myself. I want you to know there is a way out of thinking that way. 
there is a way out of addiction. There is also a way out of that shame that you have been carrying your whole life. I'm actually going to put some resources in the description of this podcast, so feel free to take a look through those. There is absolutely no shame here, guys. Like, I'm not even kidding you. Let's be real. We're all human beings. We have all struggled with something at some point in our life. Some of us just struggle with various different things. We're all going to have the things that we carry. A lot of it has to do with the things that we were taught when we were younger, or the things, in my case, we weren't taught. We're just trying to do the best we could. And that's going to be you right now. I'm assuming you're an adult listening to this podcast. This is an explicit episode, so it's not made for kids. You are doing the best you can as a full-grown adult. I can guarantee you, you're not all the way into this podcast thinking, I don't want to better myself. Like, (laughs) I just really, just really would rather take a step back in life, you know? I'm really trying that easy lifestyle where I like do worse every day and I just want to become a terrible human being. Like you're not listening to this thinking that. So give yourself a little bit of grace. Seriously, believe in yourself a little bit more. You're actually a lot better of a human being than you think. Honestly, give yourself a little bit of grace. Look through some of the resources that I'm putting here in this podcast. I hope they're helpful to you. Or you can always write me, of course, if you have any questions. I don't have all the answers, guys. I hope you figure that out by now by listening to these episodes. I really don't have all the answers, but I would love to talk with you guys. Again, if you send me an email over to theunfortunatesandwich at gmail.com and you have questions, I will read them over the air, but... If you put in there anonymous, I'm not going to put your name in there. I hope this episode was an encouragement to you. Remember that you are not alone no matter what you're struggling through. Depression, addiction, feeling shame, feeling alone, feeling like you're not enough. I promise you there's definitely a lot of people out there, a lot more people than you think actually, who are struggling with the exact same thing. And there are just so many people that would love to champion you on. You can always hang out. Um, over at Mental Health Isami. You guys are actually so cool. Like, (laughs) I love you guys. You'll probably soon find out that there's a lot of people over there who are either going through the same things as you or you might even make some friends over there. Who knows? Would love to hang out with you over at Mental Health Isami. All my socials at Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. So love to hang out with you guys over there. And until then, I will see you guys in another episode next week. Oh, 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 oh,